0: Welcome to the Jacobin Sports Show. Hi, I'm Matthew Miranda. I am joined, as always, by America's 4x4, Jonah Birch. Jonah, is it an autumn day in New York thing? If so, were you dressing up in beautiful autumn colors?
1: Yeah, I was singing Danka Chen, you know, and uh, just enjoying Central Park in fall. Um, I, I'm, i uh, you know, I, I only wear blue and um black clothing so okay not not as any kind of statement it's just you know i I don't know I feel like that's what I look good in so not a pastel guy myself
0: there's no um, chance we'll ever catch you in one of those grandpa sweaters with the diamonds that are all like you know alternating colors back and forth the blue and no that would look,
1: that actually might look dope oh and I wear green for the Celtics you know
0: okay uh, yeah so you have some but, options. No. Yeah, have the, the fall.
1: This sweater you suggest. Maybe I should. I should get one of those.
0: I close my eyes and that's what I see. I'm telling you, like hey. it, it just came to me. So
1: I could pull it off. I could totally pull it off. I know you could.
0: I know you definitely could. Um, Donavich, I wanted to ask you today. I don't think I've asked you this one before. Um, you're on death row.
1: No, oh, Jesus! What relaxing. a way to start.
0: Oh, it's, just, it's all downhill from here. It's a very sad okay. episode. You're on death row. It's your last meal. What are you having?
1: Fuck. Okay. The, the problem with this question is that they make the last meal in, like, the prison kitchen. No, so I'm it's giving not. You the,
0: I read about this in, um, because Texas, you can read the. They have a log of every inmate's, every death row inmate's last meal request. You can say, like, if you. If KFC does her feel, in this in this hypothetical, they'll bring you KFC if you want. You know, yeah. Cheese yeah cake, but five, I would green, what I want. Rolls, they'll bring you that too.
1: What I want is like former French president Francois Mitterrand, who, as he was dying of cancer, ate a endangered, like an illegal songbird, uh, Did as it? part of his la Yeah, yeah. Famously, Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah it was part of his gluttonous last meal uh and uh yeah it's it's an illegal songbird like illegal to eat and, like this yellow-throated songbird and uh anyway so that's that's Do what we i would eat respect
0: that or does that terrify us
1: I, and i absolutely respect it are you kidding i would eat an <laughs> endangered species for my i mean Absolutely, yeah. It's a famous story. Look it up. The what's it called? The ortolan or something.
0: Must be a tasty Uh, ass bird.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like I, I'm pretty sure like you eat it beak and all. Like I'm not.
0: Good lord.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Um. So.
0: So you want to eat something endangered for your last meal?
1: (laughs) I think I do. I think I do. (laughs) Um,
0: Well. There's a lot on the list, so you yeah. have options, sadly.
1: Yeah, what would you eat?
0: If my grandmother is still alive, I'd just have her make me a plate of her rice and beans. That's fine. Okay. It's, well, that's. I could, sweet. I could, no, no. I mean, I'm being honest, I could eat that 365 nights a year for dinner and not be tired, like at all. It is, I don't know. It's what food tastes like to me. I think it's so good.
1: Dad, so, you're just like a, you're a better person than I am.
0: No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm very, very much I think much you not. might be. I think you might be. We should do an episode where we talk about some of the best and worst things we've ever done. And let's see at the end of it. <laughs> that... let's see at the end of it where we stand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Here, I will In tell you me, a story. I, yeah, this is a yeah, good way to tell...
0: You know what? I'm going to save this story. I'm going to think about whether this is something I want to share on the air. Fuck, who did you murder?
1: You like, know what I, did? I
0: told I told... I knew a friend for about two and a half years and I had convinced her from early when we met that I had actually killed someone and like gotten rid of the body and like had to do it. And she believed this for like years, years and years and years. So I have a story. It's a high school story. Um, I will tell you that everyone I tell the story to either laughs immediately or I have been slapped also when I've told this story. So, Holy shit. Yeah, there's really no other reaction to it. You're either gonna laugh or you're gonna try to hit me through the screen. So I'm gonna
1: fucking laugh. Are you kidding? I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I have no soul. You know, I'm gonna, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna say this for our big we need to do this on the pod where like you have to subscribe to a higher tier to hear like the NC17 pods.
1: Okay. Where you just
0: lay it all out there. Yeah. Speaking of Laying it all out there, Jonah. I am going to talk about a few people in today's episode that I honestly, I honestly believe, maybe deserve the guillotine. And I'm starting to get to the point where I feel more easily that more people deserve the guillotine, um, just in general. Time's running out. World's not looking good. You know, you gotta try something new. Maybe we're not killing enough people. I'm not sure. The first one of the people that I want to bring up that maybe I would guillotine. <laughs> It's Adam Silver's getting a lot of heat, but it's Robert Sarver. So obviously the big story um, in sports the last couple of days has been the NBA's so-called punishment of Phoenix owner Robert Sarver. Uh, Sarver, after a long investigation, the NBA filed a report by a law firm found um, a pattern of racist and misogynistic and behavior, sexual harassment, bullying in the workplace, um, straight up telling pregnant women that like they had no opportunity at future advancement because of their condition. Um showing up naked next to other coworkers to shock them or intimidate them. Um was told so this whole story is amazing to me. Like I don't know anyone in my personal life who ever had to be told in their workplace not to say the N word. So ever was given that admonition and then did it again, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time. These is just the ones that are documented. The NBA goes through this entire investigation and come with a couple of bizarre conclusions. One is that while Sarver's behavior was offensive, it doesn't rise to the same level as Donald Sterling's did. Because Donald Sterling, of course, was the Clippers owner about seven years ago. Um, who was caught on tape making sexist and racist remarks, also um, was forced to give control of the team to his wife, who then sold it to Steve Ballmer. Um, Apparently, Robert Sarver, the NBA, decided that there was no racial or gender-based animus. He's just a general asshole, not a specific asshole. So the NBA decided that's good enough, gave him a one-year suspension, and a ten million dollar fine, which I figured out when I calculated Sarver's wealth, is like someone who makes fifty thousand a year paying a sixty-two dollar fine. So where do you I mean there's so much to, to talk about in this story. Where what what has stood out to you so far about it? Or Can what, you what explain
1: you? the whole yeah. thing about him dropping N-bombs and then they were like, No, but he was like quoting other people? I, I, well, I didn't even
0: every time that it seems like the times when Sarver used that word he was repeating something someone else had said like rap lyrics like, or something no i have no, well one of them came up so one of them came up in 2016 when they were playing golden state in the playoffs i think one of them came up in um like trade or free agent negotiations with another player one of them came up like in a meeting like what's come out in the story however much you 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 know want to credit it is that Sarver's defense is that, yes, I said it, but I never said it like in anger with racial animus. He was always quoting someone, I guess. But the thing is, it's documented that he was told by, if not the league, at least by uh, the organization, after the first time, which I think was 2004, don't do this again. Like, do not do this again. And he's done it at least four documented times since then. So, I mean, there's so many things in this story that are just shocking and hard to believe, but I'm, I'm curious what has stood out to you so far if at all from out of all of this, because there's a lot to get into.
1: I mean, it's obviously uh, the well, the sexual harassment is the is the thing that really stands out. like, what the fuck is this guy? What, what is this guy doing? Like, what is he thinking? I mean it's look amazing. it's amazing. There's a lot of fucking asshole owners in sports and in capitalism. You know, like I, and it's not like the other owners of the NBA are so wonderful like I you know I don't know.
0: My like, assumption is that that's why Sarver didn't get a harsher penalty because Donald Sterling was a very easy scapegoat. Totally. But Sarver's behavior I think is probably closer to the mean of other owners than not. And they're not going to kick him out because if they establish that precedent, you know, James Dolan, Mark Cuban, um, it happened also, it's happened in multiple um, organizations where there have been legally consequential um, fucked up run workplaces. And now this is just another one. But it's astonishing to me that the NBA, the irony of the NBA deciding that because Sarver was terrible to, because Sarver's behavior offended everybody, like he harassed women and men, he offended white people, black people, he offended, um, you know, management and staff, because he offended everybody, it's actually to his benefit. They actually concluded, like, there's because he has no singular target, it's okay that he's just an a-hole in general, so we give him this fine. That doesn't touch on anything. Doesn't touch on, on there's no pain in this fine at all. Um, LeBron James, who won't shut up and dribble, but um, will support you know Chinese censorship against Hong Kong's revolt, he tweeted, quote, our league definitely got this wrong, I don't need to explain why. You all read the stories and decide for yourself. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again, there's no place in this league for that kind of behavior. I love this league, and I deeply respect our leadership, but this isn't right. There is no place for misogyny, sexism, and racism in any workplace. Don't matter if you own the team or play for the team. We hold our league up as an example of our values, and this ain't it. Chris Paul, who is Sarver's, you know, highest-paid employee, tweeted that quote: "The sanctions fell short. Um, unusual, a little bit unusual. The players have seemed to file There's been more and more public outcry by the players about this." Um, I suppose the players could also take a stand about this and try to make the franchise a pariah. And just, if Sarver's that bad, then nobody should sign with Phoenix the next time that this comes from there. I'll be interested to see what happens. Because for all the people who were like, oh, we all knew Donald Shirley was an asshole. Well, those those were always full rosters. There were people yeah. signing sometimes in LA. Um, I mean, look,
1: what is their... <laughs> if it comes to being like a total piece of shit, like you can't con- convince me that like the Devosses who own the magic, or you oh, know, god, yeah. sl- Slumlord Dan Gilbert, like, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. James fucking Dolan, or the the guy, what's the guy's name who owns the Rockets?
0: Oh god, uh, well, Tillman Frittata, I think.
1: Right, right, yeah. Uh, does it? Isn't there? Is like a for? Is there a food for for? There's a frittata. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I always it really <laughs> messes me up.
0: Fertittas uh, are better than fertitas.
1: Or like Captain Carnival Cruise Lines, Mickey Erickson. Like you know, Joe Jay.
0: Psy. Joe yeah, Psy, Psy like, is not a paragon of morality. I mean, they're just like... Oklahoma City all... is like an energy behemoth, I think. Their owners are like it's a massive energy company.
1: Wait, which one? Did Oklahoma you... City. Right. Yeah, of course. The Is it Be- Bennett's? The Bennett's? Is that... I, oh.
0: I don't know if it's the Bennett's. Um, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so, like, if if
1: that is the, I mean, it's the great, you know, of course, it's the great irony of the NBA, like, you know, the league that markets itself as the kind of progressive, cosmopolitan, integrated, kind of woke league. By the way, this is a total tangent, but did you see that Kyrie Irving tweeted out today a thing about Alex Jones and how Alex Jones tried to warn us? I did.
0: My first thought was that even with that video, I still like Kyrie more than Russell Westbrook. But yes, my heart sank a little when I saw... My heart sank quite a bit, actually, when I saw Kyrie tweeting an Alex Jones quote and funky video for God knows whatever reason.
1: I Um, mean, what a fucking fraud. What a complete fucking fraud. Remember when people were like pretending that he was like Captain Pro-Palestine? I... (laughs) You
0: know, I yeah, I, I was hoping that maybe he was going there, but he is, he is, you know, Kyrie now strikes me as the person who is has will twist himself to death to prove there's both sides of something when there isn't, right? Um, just so he can be contrarian and, and whatever. Um, because his, his, I don't see any consistency in his public persona like at all. You see yeah. some things that are really exciting to see from an athlete, and you see some things that you would expect to see from, you know, the the, the fucking my pillow guy. So my like, pillow guy. Yeah, um, there's um, a few quirks but- about this. That are- oh, go ahead, you go ahead, you go ahead.
1: No, no. So I'm just the only thing you can really police is the kind of internal office personal behavior and the kind of. Office culture, unless you're—I mean, look. Given that you are not policing the, like, do it like you're not going to convince me that Tillman for, for titta is like n- not racist, like, I you know or whatever, oh, yeah, 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 of course, of like course. you know, um, and and there it's like, well, what level of sexual harassment is, you know, is considered right. acceptable, right? I mean, yeah. that's. I, you know and you know these poor fucking women who worked for this guy
0: and people uh, there I, were I, people I, who spoke in violation of non-disclosure agreements that right. they had signed to let the end be like that's how much it mattered to them to have this story come out and they've basically been hung out to dry
1: yeah yeah um yeah and you know yeah so I, yeah. I mean those port right. I mean that's got to be so scary. I, I'm trying to. I was trying to look up. Did Sarver come out against the the anti immigration law in? Yes, in, Sarver. The so
0: that's one of the the oddities of the case. Sarver has been on a public level, um, very one of the NBA's like foremost owners, uh, in opposing um anti immigration laws talking positively about diversity one of the things that came out in the report apparently was that for all of the the headlining Sarver's done in those areas someone somewhere has him saying that he fucking hates diversity so that was like a part of the report too um it's it's, it's, just, so, it's just so terrible what, what, what really interests me still is how much how many things are lingering and not dead like this story is not done uh, Baxter Holmes is the ESPN reporter who first broke the Starburst stories last year, he said today on um, NBA Today on ESPN that um, current Phoenix employees are, quote, furious with Silver because Silver, if you saw it at his disaster press conference, is trying to frame this as, like, well, this was terrible behavior in the past, but it was in the past, and now we're done with that. And the employees are saying this is not in the past. Like, this is not ancient history. This is our culture now. Um, But Silver, obviously, is trying to move on from it. Um, I I don't know if you got to see uh, Howard Beck, who has occasionally slipped into my DMs, I will add, um, asked Silver at the press conference, quote, why should there be a different standard for an NBA owner than it would be for everybody who works in this league? And Silver, who's usually smooth, articulate, I've never seen Adam Silver look so discombobulated if you ever fi- if you can find the clip of Beck speaking to Silver and asking that question and it comes up again with someone else later in the presser like Silver sounds like at the end of Billy Madison when he's trying to like talk about the industrial revolution yeah, like yeah. Silver sounds like he doesn't know what the hell is going on at all like at all um
1: I I mean he, whatever he knew he was going to be totally backed into a, a corner on this, right? Like, I think that, so. I, yeah. What's well, amazing get to it. me is it's
0: is so it's so dark that you know the only reason they haven't taken more action is that they're all guilty of the same shit.
1: Well, totally. I mean, <laughs> and then there's the Maverick stuff, and you know,
0: yeah, the Knicks have been in in there. The
1: no, not, not, the not the Knicks, not the Knicks.
0: You can go to, I mean, that was old news, I must say. But you can go to, like, any division and pick out a team that has had, like, an official legal investigation of some sort brought into its ownership, its, its workplace culture, the toxicity of those places. Yeah. Now, you may think, wow, what a fucked up story. That's got to be the most fucked up story in the world of sports. Well, Hockey Canada hears you. And Hockey Canada raises you. So Brenda, Brenda Prinzing, who was my long love from back in the day in high school, and a, a very frequent fan of the show, uh, texted me earlier and was like, hey, you know, if you're looking for something else to be pissed about, check out the Hockey Canada story. And I had heard, I had seen very, I, this was on my periphery. I had not really dug into it. I knew that there was something going on. It involved somehow Canada and England and hockey, but I couldn't piece it like all together until I looked into it today. Thank you, Brenda, my love. Um, So here's your, if you don't know the story, here's the story. Um, Hockey Canada is basically like the national organization in Canada that kind of runs all youth hockey, like from, from young up until they can move out into like, you know, juniors and things like that. Um, It's an enormous organization. It's supposed to be there you know for the kids but there's obviously people at the top of hockey canada who are have made themselves very wealthy and very powerful running this organization without really much oversight so when the canadian junior team was playing the world championships they were in london and while they were in london um there were accusations from a woman that eight of the members of the canadian team had gang raped her oh god Um, Hockey Canada gives the woman hush money to not push charges Um, so these players, you know, their careers won't be affected. It turns out that Hockey Canada has now spent almost $10 million paying hush money to 21 different victims, at least, over the years. Um, Now, again, you might stop there and say, well, now he's ready to shut up and we can talk about this because clearly... That has to be the most effed up part of the story. What could be more effed? I will tell you what can be more effed. There is a man named Scott Smith. He is the CEO of Hockey Canada. The women's national team in Canada. When this scandal started to brew up in July, publicly called out for Smith and the whole operating board to be, you know, kicked out and replaced. Like you need institutional reform. This person has to go you would think I was, uh, even a scoundrel would have the decency to realize oh my god my organization has been paying hush money because we're raping people I should do whatever the hell I can to like stop that and and, and try to help be a part of a solution no no Scott Smith insists not only on staying in the job he goes to the the event where the women are having their medals presented because he wants to be the one to hand them their medals. He wants to stand there in front of the women who called for him to be publicly kicked out of his job because he's either incredibly incompetent or incredibly evil. And his response is to show up at their medals ceremony and pass out medals to the women who called for him to lose his job.
1: Oh, it's awful. I had not heard that story. That's it's awful. amazing.
0: It's amazing. It's 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 the yeah. I, I, I I know terrible. Dead Air is not our friend on a pod, but like, I thought I would just have something reflexive to say, and with this one, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to handle this.
1: Yeah, that sounds I terrible.
0: Mean, yeah, it terrible. Let's consider that, that. That'll be an educational story. I don't think you really need any commentary on it. It pretty much speaks for itself. Um, let me go to... So those of you listening who may think to yourselves, I really want to subscribe to the Jacobin Sports Show Patreon, but I, I need a sign. I need a reason from God to do it. Well, one of the perks that you pick up if you subscribe, even at our introductory Kevin Garnett tier, is you get to ask questions that we will discuss on the air. And two of our subscribers have some questions, honestly, from a few months ago, but I didn't see them until today, that we're going to talk about today. The first is from listener Elena Maldonado. Elena has been, she's a newer NBA fan. Um, She picked the Raptors a couple years ago to be her team, mostly because of, she says, the mascot, the team color, and the Kawhi trade. She said, that being said, I would love to hear your and Jonah's thoughts on the Raptors organization, and if you think they have what it takes to win another championship in the future. I see a lot of potential, but I worry we will never find star power at the level of Kawhi again. Toronto Birch, I'm a big fan of the Toronto Raptors. I admire them as a, I think they're well beyond a competent organization. They, yeah, um, I mean, they're really admirable because when they won, if they had followed, you know, canonical NBA action, they would have blown up their team after a couple of 51 years They could never get past LeBron. And after the last time they didn't beat LeBron, conventional wisdom says, okay, blow it up, start over. They didn't do that. They traded the enormously popular DeMar DeRozan away from his best friend, Kyle Lowry. They rented Kawhi for a year. They got a title out of it. And then even after Kawhi left, they're loaded with... They look like a team of velociraptors. They have a million guys who are like 6'7 to 6'9". With seven one wingspans, I was really when they were talking about Donovan Mitchell, I thought he would have been brilliant on the Raptors because with all the length and defense and athleticism they have, if they had a bona fide, you know, just score, they'd be really dangerous. I I like the Raptors as an organization. Masai Ujiri always seems to know what he's doing. Nick Nurse really seems to be on top of things. I mean, your team is in the same division with the Raptors. What do you make of this franchise? I mean, of course.
1: They're one of the best run franchises in sports. Look, the the thing about them is that they're super young. Scotty Barnes is a is a oh God. Ter- absolutely terrifying, terrifying player. And what is he? 20? Twenty.
0: Twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah. It's the joke about Jason Tatum that he's permanently nineteen. But <laughs> yeah, you know, and they have so many. I mean, Ananobi has got to be maybe 23, something like that. And then, you know, Siakam. Siakam and, is the
0: old one and he's like 26.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. 26. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And Van, Van Fleet, I, I like who is, you got to love as a player, given the way he that, defends yeah. and his size. I mean, they just have like a lot of talent and, um, and, and of course you have infinite confidence in Masai's ability to find players Um mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. I of course they have what it takes to win another championship. I mean, do you think Scotty Barnes is a future MVP candidate?
0: Yes. If you can say that I, after I a he, year, yes,
1: he absolutely could be right. Because he plays, um, he
0: can dominate at the position that's most valued right now. He can do it on both ends. He's not just skilled; like his skill level is is intensifying, but he has. The physical gifts that you can't teach he already has that um yeah. like he has everything to be a two-way stud
1: yeah and they have all their picks like i you know yeah. mm-hmm. um they've
0: ripped the knicks off a number of times in trades
1: not the um, knicks always- not the knicks is that <laughs> they always,
0: it's, odd, it's odd that someone would rip off the knicks um <laughs> actually I, I would say the knicks have not made a bad trade in a while let me say that
1: God, this is what Knicks fans always sound like. Always sound like, you know, it's... Because we're anyway. always
0: being unfairly oppressed uh, by others. Yeah, we yeah. have to be on the defensive. Like, we deserve. Trust us, trust me. Like, we know our shit that is not in our favor, but yeah, yeah, we also sure. know where to draw the line and be like, no, 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 no. Um, I mean,
1: the question for me is not... Immediately, not... Do the Raptors have a future, but where do they stand in the Eastern Conference next year? And that's the inter uh, that's a fascinating question. Who the fuck knows? you know like would you be would you be shocked if they finished in the top three in the Eastern Conference?
0: No, that would be they an have one of the wider team. ranges of potential finishes that I can see. like to me, yeah. the Bucks and the Celtics are like they're gonna be high up, but a team like, Toronto could finish third yeah Toronto if everything broke right could probably finish second but Toronto I could also see them being like the seventh scene and playing in the the playing tournament because they had some injuries during the year like I don't yeah. think it would happen because of poor play I just think the range of like but that's the thing about them if they're the seven and you're the two you no, don't I know, play you're two
1: terrified of the first you're terrified. Round
0: at all you don't want to play them
1: um, I mean there will be you know don't you get the feeling that they need um they need some shooting right like they need a more,
0: dynamic scorer who can create for himself you know who isn't a big wing
1: um but the other thing is the 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 ver- the variation the variance that in the east in general like uh, part of how the, where the raptors finish it depends on what happens with the sixers and the nets and the yep. heat and who who knows
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: but uh, but i i think they'll be right in the mix and they are terrifying, and and it's just what you said. Like the way they defend is, like, and, the, and they draft the...
0: that way too. Florida State is is kind of renowned right now for two way players, and that's where they got Barnes from. Um, I, ho- I and I think they're better. If you remember, Atlanta two years ago was like the hot young team that got to the Eastern Finals, and every, and then they slipped. And part of that was I don't think they have quite the the advantage at the top that when you have Nick nurse and you have Masai Ujiri in their positions, there's really not many organizations that are going to feel better about their brain trust than Toronto does. Yeah, Interestingly enough, uh, I read once about that when Pele was coming up through Brazilian soccer, that if you, if you study the, the discussion of Pele in Brazilian media from when he first began to like pop up to his ascension into stardom, that literally the language around his race changed. that when they wrote about Pele at the start of his career, they would use terms and categories for him for darker, lower class Brazilians. And as Pele became more and more of a global icon, even though obviously his appearance did not change, the language began to, to discuss him more in, in categories of whiteness and categories of upper levels. And it's a weird, it's a weird phenomenon. Yeah. A very I mean, different like
1: race in Brazil. Sure. Anyway, yeah. go
0: ahead in a very, very different way, obviously. I find it interesting that Toronto used to have it held against it years ago when they weren't very good. That, you know, no NBA free agent wants to go to Toronto. It's Canada. Like, nobody wants to get cold. Toronto is one of the great cities, like, in North America. It's cosmopolitan. It's fairly clean for a major city. It has wonderful, like, I think Toronto as a scene has become more appealing or that people have realized more over time. Like, you know what? This city is not a disadvantage. Like this is a nice place to live.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that
0: could help them in the future. Yeah. Especially international players love Toronto more than American players seem to.
1: Yeah. So that's all from. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. It's a nice city. It's a nice city. It's a little too clean for me. Too clean. True, you, you
0: don't trust that, do you? No,
1: no. I love New York. Are you kidding?
0: <laughs> They're a little <laughs> bit different from each other.
1: Where are um, the rats? Where do the rats live in Toronto? And what do they, what do they do during the the winter? I mean, that's what. The rats me.
0: rent Airbnbs at affordable prices. Yeah, that's where there they live goes. in Toronto. Meanwhile, Jonathan Bell. <laughs> I like Jonathan Bell's questions. He had he had two good questions. His first question was, um, he says, we all agree that it's pretty tough to be a billionaire and also not a gigantic amoral asshole. Probably the same if you have 900 or 800 million as well. So what amount of money do you have to have less than in order to not definitionally be an amoral asshole? And is this just reserved for businessmen and bankers, but not athletes and entertainers? I obviously would rather LeBron have a billion dollars than some tech bro. But nobody should have a billion in the first place. So, first things first, John Virch. How much money can you have and not automatically be a villain for having it?
1: Exactly the amount I have. Literally exactly <laughs> the amount. It's unbelievable how that works. You're tipping the line. Uh, anyone right who has more, uh, you know, is is by definition a piece of shit. Uh, Don't trust anybody
0: who has any money. Yeah, no. nobody. Yeah, and what about the second part? Is it worse if it's our athletes or entertainers who don't inherit it? Do they have a better chance of not being an amoral asshole, or does the money just infect people no matter what?
1: I don't know, man. I, I, yeah, of course. If you have that much money, if you have LeBron money, then I, it's hard to, it's hard for me to trust you. I, I don't yeah. know what the what the limit is there, but.
0: Jonathan, for me, I'm going to say, um, I think you can have, wow, what a good question. I don't think athletes are better people when they, like the athletes that I know that have become billionaires are like Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron's almost there and, uh, <laughs> okay, it's okay. Um, Jordan, uh, almost LeBron, and Tiger was on his way. Maybe before he got hurt, I don't consider any of those like people that I'd want to hang out with. Like, I don't think I would enjoy hanging out with Michael Jordan. I don't think I would. I know. Oh, I would yes,
1: you would. Him. That would be so much fun.
0: No, no, no. Michael Jordan seems like an asshole. Yeah, but Tiger the booze
1: would. and cigars, and uh, that would be great. You know, Maybe, you know if, MJ, if MJ,
0: if he does edibles or he vapes, we can hang. Um, yeah. But, like, I don't want to hang out with Tiger Woods. No. And I get the sense I wouldn't. The fact that LeBron James could come down unusually quickly and loudly on Daryl Morey for the Hong Kong tweets from before tells me, like, okay, LeBron is, yeah, you're like Jay Z. You're like Rihanna. Like, you became a billionaire, but not because you're a better person than the other ones. No. Jonathan has another question, and here's what we're going to end with. He says, the NBA is my favorite sport by far, but it's also the sport most correlated to immutable genetic characteristics, like height. You have to work hard to be great, but you also obviously have to be tall. Even famously undersized, Steph Curry is actually 6'3", which is 6 inches taller than the average man. Uh, he says, I think players are going to pay what they do. I think owners are pretty terrible. What is your take on the NBA in theory being the least? I'm not oh sure God. if the word is egalitarian or not. Oh um, which sport I... do you think? Good. Ahead.
1: Good. Ahead. Well, I have a friend, a close friend, who's a sociology professor, whose favorite topic in the world is that by any, you know, serious, consistent theory of justice. Actually, there should be different basketball leagues for people of different heights. Like you should have an, that's, that's brilliant. And, and an over six feet league. And, uh, and I think if his wife ever divorces him, it's going to be because he can't shut the fuck up about, <laughs> about literally this topic. And he can't, he just can't. He, he's like obsessed with it. Um, he's correct. Yeah. Yeah. But Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, right. So there's always, yeah, yeah. There's always a, a genetic component to athletic success, obviously. Also, you know, there's gotta be some set of social factors that determine that people in some societies get better nutrition and therefore are more likely to, to be big and strong. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, but of course, there's a genetic component. Yeah, I'm. I, I mean, I saw someone told me that like, if you're an American man over like six foot seven, you have like a one in ten chance
0: of being in the NBA. Yeah. So there's crazy stats about any. I this came up in a in a class that I, I taught once, and it was in a. It was a TED talk, and somebody gave the the percentage, of American men who are seven feet or taller who have been involved at some point in either Division One or NBA basketball, is incredible. Like, it's an, inc- an incredibly higher percentage than you would ever think makes sense. Um, let me ask you the question this way, Jonah Birch. Had you decided that the world morally was in good hands and so you could have been selfish and pursued a career in professional sports,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: do you think you could have come closest? Which would you have reached the highest level in?
1: Golf, for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, you're a golfer.
1: Um, no, but my family, you know, I have a bunch in my family. I just feel like it's the one where, you know. Anyway, I don't know. I, I there was some real potential there. Actually, that's not true. Hockey. I, I'm. 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 I don't want to brag, but skate? I'm. A very, yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm. I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good skater. I, I know people aren't going to believe me, but I am. I'm very good. So, you know, that's the truth, honestly. Ice
0: skating and chemistry are, like, the only two things in the life I've ever hated. I hate really? ice skating because I suck. I suck. All I can do is not fall. What I was hate your, ice skating. What was your sport? Basketball and baseball. Okay. Were you – are you – so, yeah. I mean,
1: I – I yeah. I I see like a five year
0: old go by doing spin moves, and I hate it. I have such unpleasant memories of ice skating. My daughter for years begged to go ice skating. I wouldn't take her just because I didn't want to go do it. I hate ice skating. I hate it. Really tough. Ice skating, chemistry. That's it. Those are the only two things I could not get into.
1: What kind of Um, what's your basketball game like?
0: Defensive stopper and offensively like a point forward.
1: Yeah, I'm a defensive sieve. And <laughs> o- offensively, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I think I have a pretty creative offensive game, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not gonna you know, lie, on the on the basketball courts of SUNY Buffalo North Campus, if you were there in the summer oh. of 1998, you would have heard the nickname jordan being thrown around because of my fadeaway strictly because my fadeaway not be stopped now i will acknowledge that all of the scattering points on me are mostly from when i was younger and would like play full court and drink gin between games and be fine and now like i can collapse just watching people play half court so yeah. i don't know if i would still have the all all the game that i had but that was my game yeah what about baseball did you play baseball
1: yeah yeah for sure of course what did you play what position wait wait wait
0: i'm gonna guess you have you have a real first baseman vibe
1: no 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 i i was a um I, i i played second third and left i played with former red sox relief pitcher manny del carmen so did you he was on my team for years yeah uh good
0: arm on that guy
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Manny was know. always, um, always very good. You know, nice. yeah. But I think when I we were eight, I was like better than him. I don't want to, you know. That's right. That's right. As I remember. You let it. him know
0: it the next time you see him. Uh-huh. Let him know.
1: I will. He still lives around Boston. You know.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah. I was pitcher, pitcher, catcher, first base was my my thing. Nice. I did throw a no hitter once. Six wow. inning no hitter. Uh-huh. Nice. Nice. Um, those were good times, man. Yeah. I miss it miss, like, literally every day. I would just get home from school, and whatever the season was, we would play sports for hours. Yeah. I can't find like one person to watch a game with me now, but we'd have like six or seven guys every day.
1: So funny. It's a sports different universe, you know? I mean, all, all my friends worked at Fenway. We were just obsessed with the Red Sox. So, so obsessed. I, I mean,. There were some seasons in the late '90s, early 2000s when I, I watched the majority of games. Like I would not every single game, but close. I, it was rare yeah. when I like missed a Red Sox game during the summer. And now yeah, I, just, yeah. I don't think I've seen one this year. You know, and, yeah, the Mets have been the first
0: all year. I haven't seen them in months because yeah. I've been in places that have no cable or no TV, and I'll put them on. I'll put them on the radio online. But like I haven't seen a, a baseball game that I care about in a long, long time. And my team's good. Yeah. Just reminded me, I wanted to ask you this. What's the most, any any age of your life, the most emotionally invested you were in any team, like, at any time? Oh. That's
1: hard to say, man.
0: Maybe most is putting it poorly. Um, but when you think of, like, a time of intent, like, I remember as, as a kid, my dad, I would watch every second of every Nick game, like, every year. And my dad would come in, you know, second half sometimes, or he would only sit for the whole game if it was, like, a big game. And I remember being young and thinking, like, what's wrong with him? Like, he's a fan. Like, I know he's a fan of the team. Like, how is he? And, and now I understand, like, you just don't always have time for everything like you do when you're 13. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know, agree. like, in the, yeah. in the 90s with the Knicks, I was unhealthily emotionally probably involved.
1: Funny like they're... with the Boston Celtics, I, just to say, you know,
0: in the nineties.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you oh, know, no, that's tough, man. <laughs> I, I I think I watched every Celtics game, the ML card tanking for Duncan season, like Dana when they, had, yeah. And Antoine was there already. Um, yeah. they had, they had Antoine, but he was playing out of position. And
0: was there Ron Mercer on that team?
1: Um, no, no. So then, then after the ML car tanking season, they had their pick and the Mavericks pick from the... um. God, what the fuck was his name? Who was the center at UNC who the Celtics had? I really shouldn't know this. Eric uh, um, Montrose? Yeah, yeah, Montrose. From the Montrose trade with yeah. Dallas, right? So they had... they, And that's when they hired Patino. but instead they got the third and the sixth pick, and Mercer was the sixth pick, and Billups was the Oh, uh, okay, right? okay. In the, the <clears throat> draft, um, anyway, yeah,
0: it was a tough time to be invested in the Boston Celtics.
1: Listen, I thought Ron Mercer was going to be a star. Yeah. Everybody,
0: yo, Ron Mercer was highly regarded coming out of high school, yeah, like very, very, very highly regarded, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was number one in his class.
1: I mean, he had a lot of athletic ability and a really nice mid range jump shot, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um was good coming off picks, but um anyway. Yeah. Shout yeah, I mean it, it was either the Celtics or the I think it was probably the Red Sox in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Yep.
0: Even as a not like just as a Yankee hater, I got very pulled into that Yankee Red Sox a couple of years. For sure. From like ninety nine to oh four. Yep. Yeah. Well We've covered it all today. Yeah, done what we had to. Well, Um, we got to
1: talk NFL next time. We're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills. Oh, you want to talk?
0: We you have a couple of minutes? You want to do a little NFL? No, 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 let's save it.
1: Let's save it. We'll save it. it. All right.
0: Okay. We will. Okay. So thank you everyone for once again joining us for the Jacobin Sports Show. Remember that you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com/slash, Jacobin Sports Show. Follow us on Twitter at Jacobin Sports email us please email us if not us your mother jacobinsports at gmail.com that is all for this week um look out soon for an episode with louisa thomas who we've had on before from the new yorker Uh, she wrote a great piece today about um the robert sarver nightmare and what it reflects on in a larger sense um and i'm sure we'll also talk about serena williams retirement although she says now that maybe she'll come back um but yeah that's it for this take care everybody talk to you later